Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And welcome to Generation BSC. Generation BSC is a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about all things Babysitter's Club. And as we have been doing for the past, I guess, two months at this point, we've been talking <laughs> about the second season of the Netflix series, which is also called The Babysitter's Club. <laughs> but yeah, we, we talk about The Babysitter's Club, what we remember from reading it as kids, what we think reading it now, talking about what, you know, people joining Generation BSC now might be thinking as opposed to what we were thinking as kids and just sort of seeing where the conversation takes us. <laughs> <laughs> and it's taken us some interesting places, which I've realized over the last over two years we've been doing mm-hmm. this. But today we are talking about episode five. Is that right? Episode yep, five? episode yes. five. Marianne and the Great Romance, which, spoiler alert, is while tackling a lot of the same topics of the book, is very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots lots of changes. But I think mostly in really, really good ways in terms of our modern understanding of romance and relationships. I, I don't know if, if you felt the same way or if you were disappointed in the changes. No, I think the changes were great. And I was just going to say sort of piggybacking on what you just said. I think that's one thing that we've sort of come to find about the Netflix series as a whole is the updates that they make are generally really smart and like well thought out and well reasoned and like make a lot of sense with all of the things that have changed over the last you know 25 35 however many years it's been 25 years it's really like nice to see that and i think this episode in particular was a really really good example of like how updating and modernizing these stories can really make a huge difference and not only that but the way that they're treating the adults as real people Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I know we've talked about that some to some degree. And to be fair, we have acknowledged that it's been mostly Edie, Liz, and Watson, and then the Richard and Sharon, which, Mm -hmm. based on the casting, we are not complaining (laughs) at all. Fully on board. Bring on the Alicia Silverstone and Mark Furstein. Please bring on all of the Mark Evan Jackson. I'm not as familiar with the woman playing Sharon, though. Had had you been familiar with her Mm -mm. before? Yeah, I I don't recall anything that I like remember her from. I'm sure I've seen her in other things, but obviously Mark Evan Jackson is near and dear to both of our hearts and has been since we first met him, whether it was, was he on The Good Place first or Brooklyn Nine-Nine? He was definitely on Brooklyn Nine-Nine first, but I knew him before that because he did a lot of like comedy stuff. Like mm-hmm. he was one of those guys that that popped up with, I'm trying to think of who are, what are some of the, actually pulling it up right now. He was just always sort of around as one of uh, those guys. Mm -hmm. I remember him being like a therapist in something, but he definitely showed up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine pre-Good Place. Mm -hmm. But then the Good Place was where I for sure, like fully was all about it. Oh, he was in, um, I know he showed up on Parks and Rec too. He was on the principal in Jumanji. That's what I was picturing that oh, I couldn't okay. think of. Yeah, the, he was the in an Jumanji episode remakes. of uh, Happy Endings. Like, yeah, he's been around. But I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Good Place were the two places where I was like, okay, I know who this guy is for real. I love him. I want him in everything. <laughs> oh, wasn't he the therapist in 21 Jump Street? I think that's the other thing that I'm thinking. Wasn't he like the – they had him go – they had to go talk to the, like, He was in 22 Jump Street. I that's think. what it was. Okay. One of, I knew it was one of them. I could see him with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, which, side note, love those movies. Either way, we love them. But just giving them the more more rounded, more thought out plot lines. Like we talked a lot last week about the Emily Michelle of it all and how in the books it was just like, 
ta-da, here's a baby. And in the show, they're actually, Mm -hmm. like, laying the groundwork and having conversation with it. And, I mean, I'll turn it over to you to give us our plot description in a second. But in this one, without giving too much away, giving it away, that's what we're talking about the whole episode. It's not kind of not like there's spoilers. In any case, not getting too far ahead of ourselves. The same thing, I think, can be said here about the Richard-Sharon relationship, where in in the book, it really was they reconnected they went out on, what, two dates, and then, ta-da, we're getting married, which I guess to kids, especially reading it, I I certainly didn't have any reaction to it as a child, but seeing it play out more naturally through the course of the show, I think a really, really nice touch. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's It's been nice to see more of a story continuing rather than, because like we talked about in the books, each book sort of stands alone because you have to be able to pick them up and read them and you don't necessarily need to be reading them in order to understand what's going on. Whereas with the show, it is it is more, you know, episodic and you, you get that sort of continuation. Even though you could watch them out of order, you at least get like nuggets of, of story over the, the course of the seasons, which is really nice. And I think it does have a lot to do with who the books versus the show are aimed at, whereas the book is is written in a way that is designed for kids to be reading to themselves, right? They're not as much like the read-along type books where I'm thinking even like beyond like the board books, but like Harry Potter, that series for all of its issues, J.K. Rowling being the biggest, because I still love those books but that's very much one like you can see a parent reading that to a child and like having those conversations together Mm -hmm. because of the the seriousness and the way that they darken over the years but like babysitter's club was pretty much just given to me and being like you read it was not designed it would the idea i believe was not to be read at such a young age that they needed parents there to like hold their hand or talk Mm -hmm. to them about what was happening whereas the show not that it's designed to need hand-holding, but it is designed, as we have talked about, to be just as much for us as it is for the Gen Z watching it. Like, the Mr. Katimsky reference last time, the the sheer fact that they cast Alicia Silverstone and Mark Evans Jackson in these roles, like we said, like, even Mark Furstein, like, that's appealing to elder millennials, millennials, the Gen Xers, the ones who grew up with these books Mm -hmm. in the first place. So I think it makes sense that there is less of an emphasis on the adults when the when the intended audience is purely like five to ten to twelve year olds, whereas when this is a show, for whatever reason, I remember it being Shrek was the first time that I really remember hearing discourse around a kids movie that also was had very clear intentions and things that were there just for the adults that the kids weren't going to get as much. And while I don't think that this is quite the same level of, like, split, like, this is an adult joke and this is a kid's joke, I think it does a really nice job of integrating both of those things where the kids are getting a better understanding of the realities of, like, adult life. I think this episode in particular really sort of hits on that in terms of relationships, and at the same time is there for the adults to, you know, there are references, like, the, the kid's not going to get a, a my so-called life callback. But we are also able to enjoy some of the more childlike stuff that's happening because it's not pandering. Does that make sense? Or was I just rambling? <laughs> Could be both. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit of both. I think it made sense, though. So we're good. <laughs> okay. Well, laid out all the thematic elephants. Elephants? <laughs> Wow, I clearly am on a tear today. The elephants in the podcast of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so why don't you tell us what actually did happen so we know what those themes are about? Okay. Or referring to. <laughs> well, after the sort of, I don't even know where my brain was going last episode, trying to do the summary sort of off the cuff. I had like written it, but then I tried to also be conversational. I have gone, <laughs> I have returned to what has always worked best <laughs> in over all of the rest of our episodes. And I've written down exactly what I'm going to say, and I'm going to read it and <laughs> not try to comment while I'm reading because... <laughs> As you all know from the last episode, it was maybe a little bit off the rails and, <laughs> you know, not not really what I'm usually putting out there. But, yes, so here we go. Um, it's just before Valentine's Day and Sharon and Richard are not engaged, but Logan asks Marianne to be his girlfriend with a bracelet. Everything changes in how they act around each other and how the rest of the Babysitter's Club acts towards Marianne, leaving her feeling like a friendless mess as an, after an awkward double date at Salvatore's on Valentine's Day with Sharon and Richard. Marianne ultimately realizes that labels don't matter and the important thing is saying how you really feel to the people you love or like. And we end the episode with a lovely montage of the Spear Schaefer family having a good night without needing to label what they are, while also setting up the next episode with an announcement that Richard and Marianne are moving in for a week uh, due to termites in their house. And then we've got the B-plot that revolves around Edie slash Liz's ongoing fertility treatments and Karen's misinterpretation of her basement crying as being the crying of a ghost of a woman who died of a broken heart after her husband died in a whaling accident. Christy and Edie decide <laughs> not to disappoint her by telling her it's really Edie. And we've got some additional, uh, you know, fertility-related concerns in that B-plot. So I actually need to start here because it's very important for all of the shit that I've given, some of the inappropriateness of the way adults and, and parents interact in the show. Mm -hmm. I thought the way that Edie handled that conversation with Christy and the way that Richard talked to Marianne mm -hmm. about relationships, I thought both of them were so wonderfully and perfectly handled. Mm -hmm. Where Christy was really trying – because it is Christy, to, like, take on some of that emotional burden for her mom. And what I thought was so lovely is that Edie didn't let her. And not right. in a, like, guilt-trippy or you don't know what you're talking about or, like, it was a very respectful and I so appreciate where you're coming from, but this is a grown-up conversation that I need to be having with my husband. It's, it's not mm -hmm. a something that I can go over with a kid. In a way that absolutely preserved Christy's dignity, too. Loved that. Yep. And then, I mean – I literally wrote awe with a million W's mm -hmm. and exclamation points when Richard pulled out his cards. But, like, obviously that totally tracks for him as a character, over-preparing, you know, wanting to get it exactly right. And he did. He didn't push. He wasn't overbearing. He didn't offer too much or too little, especially when, you know, he was – when Marianne started pressing him a little bit about his relationship with Sharon, it was – that's between me and Sharon, and Sharon and I have had conversations about this, like pressing – or not pressing her, but encouraging her to do the same to Logan. Both of those, I just thought, as in the moment, I was so obsessed with it. Now that I'm sitting here talking and processing it, I'm a little bit – it makes almost the stuff with Sharon more obnoxious because – the show is clearly perfectly capable of doing that and in monitor displaying these healthy relationships – there is a small part of me that hopes that, you know, they're not engaged. This, As you said, this is clearly sort of setting up the, the living together, Ghost at Dawn's house plot line with Richard and uh, Marianne moving in to Sharon and Dawn's, in this case only temporarily. But I can't help but wonder if this is maybe setting up a either a breakup in that 
because they really don't make sense. Like that was clearly in the, in the course of the books. It was done just because for plot purposes right. rather than these two people are so right for each other. Because in reality, we've talked repeatedly about how that, <laughs> that would be a disaster. I can't help but like, and this is again, purely speculative that it's either leading to that or my hope only because I'm big on non-traditional relationships is that they do demonstrate a kind of relationship that is less, you know, we all move in together and define mm-hmm. where they like don't marry, but like live next door to each other or have like a duplex or, you know, some kind of like, we're a family, but we have a way of existing together that is different. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little bit too much to be asking, asking I mean, for I, the babysitter's club, but. I feel like that's where this is going. I I think it's leading more towards that than towards them breaking up. I mean, yes, we have talked many, many times, whether about the book or the TV series, but, you know, like they don't really make sense. But it also seems like in the show, at least, we're seeing maybe more so from from Richard than from Sharon cuz i think with Sharon we really only get her in relationship to Richard as opposed to Richard where we get more of him as a person so mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that might be going but i do think that was sort of the not sort of it was the nice thing that i really enjoyed at the very end of the episode you know they have this dinner and don and marianne are assuming again that they're going to they're about to be told that their parents are engaged and getting married and they can't wait for the fall wedding and that's what marianne's so excited about and it ends up that they're just moving in you know for a week while they get the house fumigated and you know then they have this like beautiful montage of them just like being a family and with marianne's voiceover just talking about basically like there's all different kinds of relationships and you don't have to necessarily know exactly what every relationship is and put a label on it and it has to have these defined terms and things change. And I thought that was what was really nice about the way that this episode went is that it made it clear that there are different ways to love people and like people and be connected to people. And Richard and Sharon, I I think that was part of what was sort of driven home by him saying, you know, we've had conversations about this. You know, we talk to each other. We know where we both stand. We know where our families stand. And I think that I, and I hope that that's going to continue. I hope we don't, you know, in the season three, if we get one, you know, we have this big wedding from Sharon and Richard because I don't think that that makes sense in the in the in the world of the show that we've seen with the way that we've seen them grow and we've seen Richard become a much more maybe not laid back, but he's more open to things that are different and to change and letting his daughter change and letting Sharon change. And I I hope that we get to continue to see that type of non-traditional relationship, like you said, where they have this loving relationship, they spend time together, their families spend time together, but they don't necessarily have to get married and live in the same house and have the white picket fence and all of that. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point because I've been so focused on how incompatible they would be to like blend their life. Right. Because yes, if I were Richard's level, I mean, that's an odd couple. Like, literally, that's the premise of the odd couple, right? right? <laughs> super slob, super high, uptight person. And that is hilarious for us to watch in a show. But the actual reality of that is would be miserable for everybody mm-hmm. involved. And there's not, like, a good guy and a bad guy. It's just, I think, one of the things that I find most... I don't know, depressing about being a grown-up <laughs> is that, uh, that that sometimes relationships aren't meant to be and there isn't a good guy or a bad guy right. or a – and that and that's all kinds of, of relationships, which is going to be a nice segue in a second here. But I, I do think that you're right in that they make a lot of sense as a couple who 
doesn't have to share space and mm-hmm. doesn't have to change lifestyles in order to fully integrate the other person. Right. And I can understand how some people may may find that selfish. I I just I'm speaking from my personal experience. I am a very inherently selfish person. And I don't mean that in a bad way, just in a I've spent the last 36 nearly 37 years doing things my way, wanting things a certain way. And the idea of, especially Kate is very familiar with this as I'm trying to date, you know, (laughs) the idea of how much of my life do I give up or integrate or, you know, all of those questions. I feel like that's a really adult conversation to be having. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see that there's some kind of non-traditional model of monogamy specifically, because I think we get more of that with poly relationships, which is great getting to be more of that. I just know that that's not really, I'm, I'm way too insecure and would have jealousy out the wazoo. Um, not yucking anybody's yum, just saying it's not for me. But I appreciate a lot of the poly, the way that they're more practical, it seems in my experience, about how lives blend together. And I think Richard and Sharon could really do a lot of that and, and demonstrate in that, that in a lot of cool ways. And then now I'm just talking it through and I'm like, this is still a kid's show. Like, we're not going to get an in-depth, <laughs> right. like, look into, you know, that that blended family. But I would not be surprised if the end of next week's episode doesn't end with them, oh, we're now a happy family and everything. Because especially if you, if you have not listened to our Ghost at Dawn's House episode, I highly recommend listening to it before we get into that episode. Because I haven't watched the episode yet, but I we had strong feelings about that book. So I'm going to be very, very curious to see how that goes. Because based on what we saw today, I think that it might end with them going, mm, us living together, not either not right now or maybe not ever. Yeah, I'll I'll be very interested to see how the episode, our next episode goes. Because yeah, when when we talked about the the back to back of Marianne and the Great Romance and Dawn's Wicked Stepsister, it was like, oh boy, these are <laughs> we've got like, oh yeah, they got married in like two seconds, and now it's like, oh, and Dawn's a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> so I hope we don't end next week's episode with Dawn's a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> yes, and also speaking of terrible people, thank you for um, pointing out that it is. Dawn and the Wicked Stepsister, not Ghost at Dawn's house. As I said, I I think I've said that like three times now. That's the one where they find the passage right. that <laughs> she torments Marianne with. But we have not found that tunnel yet, so that's going to be interesting. We didn't have a Ghost at Dawn's house episode right. to this point. So that, again, that's going to be kind of interesting, but... That's for next week. Yeah. Hopefully that's one of those good updates that we've been talking about, like where we don't have one of our our lovable main characters gaslighting her new stepsister. That really was. I think of all the things that I've been upset about over the course of these books that I certainly didn't expect to have outsized emotional reactions to, that was by far the worst one solely because there was no... The book seemed to reward John's mm-hmm. behavior. So... Yeah. Well, and even when we got callbacks to that in future books or books subsequent to that one, everyone was like, oh, you know, and Marianne and Don just figured out they couldn't share a bedroom and everything was fine. Marianne moved across the hall. And it was like, so even like down the line, there's still no callback to be like, and, you know, Don was kind of shady and terrible, but it all worked out because they figured out they couldn't live together. <laughs> like, I mean, even that yeah. would not be a, a great way to handle that. But like, there, there literally was no... I don't want to say comeuppance, but maybe no lesson learned in that, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be taking that as modeling behavior. Like, don't try to gaslight your sister into not wanting to share a bedroom with you because you are not 
strong enough to have the conversation. Right. The the whole um, happy ending felt so unearned. Yeah. But again, we are getting ahead of ourselves yeah, well, for next we week. We don't even know what next week's episode is going to be because we haven't watched it yet. So for all we know, that's not even touched on and we don't need to <laughs> revisit the terribleness that was Dawn in that book. But it was, it is important to note that so much of what happened in, in the Marianne and the Great Romance book is what was setting up Dawn's wicked stepsister. Mm -hmm. Because in the book version of this, it was purely, Valentine's Day was not a factor. It was purely based around the wedding. And already those cracks had started to show between Dawn and Marianne. Now, the thing that did carry over really nicely, which I thought was, for me, since again, we didn't get the same, we got a couple of like Danny Tanner light moments, but... I'm more and more loving the way that this show is moving away from the really, like, let's sit down and mm-hmm. talk about the theme of the episode and is more coming at one theme from lots of different directions. And so we get a lot of, like, smaller moments. Yep. So, like, for me, the 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 way I summed it up was how do we find, define relationships and what what is a relationship, how we define them, how we enter them, you know, that kind of big picture. Mm-hmm. And we got to some view on how that works with friendships, how being in, in relationships, romantic relationships can affect your friendships, the way that Stacy and, and Claudia clearly approach relationships versus Christie's view versus <laughs> um, Marianne sort of stuck in the middle. And then at the end, we get a little bit of baby by Dawn, which, yes, I am so here for. And then, you know, that we also have the Richard and Sharon relationship. We've got the, the Edie and well, even though Watson's not in it. Clearly, their relationship is part of it. The parental-child relationship on both parts. Just really, really lots of different takes on how we have relationships with people. And I really, really loved that we got all those different perspectives Mm -hmm. because I thought all of them played out really, really nicely. They informed each other really nicely. And it wasn't, you know, bickering over who's going to be wearing what in – what wedding and like right. getting caught up in those wedding details. Yeah. And like who's what Marianne should buy Sharon as a wedding gift. And is it nice enough or, you know, does it overstep or overshadow Dawn's and like that jealousy stuff? It was nice. Yeah. It was nice to just see all of these different relationships and all of these different types of relationships. And basically, you know, it all sort of culminating in relationships are whatever you want them to be, whatever you make them to be, whatever you make them to be. That's not really English, but whatever you make them. And, you know, you can call them whatever you want. You, it doesn't have to be called anything. It doesn't have to be called anything you've ever heard of in, you know, pop culture or other people's relationships. Like, however you want to define your own relationship with whoever, whether it's friendship, family, relationship, like love type relationship is, it's really do your own thing. <laughs> Let's all just have a good time and, you know, just, you know, talk, speak through your feelings. And that's how you really show that you love someone, whether it's romantic love or platonic love. And I really loved that as the resolution as well, that Richard was like, I want to assure you that Sharon and I know, you may not understand, but mm-hmm. Sharon and I know exactly what's going on in our relationship because we have talked about it. Right. And Marianne's like, oh, maybe I should talk to Logan. And then, sure enough, finding out that Logan is just as uncomfortable with all of this way that this is playing out, the pressure that has sort of been put on them right. from lots of different areas. And I think that that was a really interesting way that they did it, too, that it wasn't just 
any one thing that was pressuring them. Mm -hmm. It was also that this is both of their first romantic relationships. And so all they know is what they're modeling from their parents or from the media or from books and, and, you know, what their friends are telling Mm -hmm. them and, and those types of things. And it can be really, really hard at that age to create a definition for yourself that doesn't match up with what the messages are telling you. And I loved that. I love that they both, I, I especially love that they end with saying that I don't know if he's technically her boyfriend. They are together. They are more than friends. Beyond that, who really needs, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend label? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is simultaneously so much more healthy than we went about it in yeah. junior high. <laughs> 100%. And, and secondly, I think it's far more realistic with the way youths today because i don't want to say kids they're not kids but young people today approach relationships that they are more flexible they are more fluid and that they do most importantly leave more space for you to be individual and not like fitting into some outdated out unnatural Mm -hmm. like rigid roles right well because i mean that was the thing that created all of the not conflict isn't the right word, but the the sort of issue between Marianne and Logan in this episode, and as we come to find out, he was feeling just as awkward as she was. But the whole reason that there was this issue was because they put the label boyfriend-girlfriend and they had all of these sort of esoteric expectations as to what that meant for them together, what it meant for each of them individually, and it got them away from what they liked about spending time together. You know, like, they both felt like, okay, well, if, if Logan's my boyfriend, then I have to do X, Y, and Z. When in reality, they just want to keep hanging out and having a good time. And, like, they like spending Mm -hmm. time with each other. They like joking around. They like kissing occasionally. You know, like, just the – and I think that's what's nice about the episode is, like, they ultimately figure out, like, we can still do that. We don't even have to say we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, we know what we are. It doesn't really matter. And we don't have to sit at the couple's table at lunch and, you know – try to fit into the mold that those two other couples, you know, se- celebrating their five-week anniversary and going to dinner and ultimately ultimately realizing that the quote-unquote perfect couple has their own issues because they aren't communicating, you know? So it sort of drives <laughs> home from every angle. Like, just talk about what you want. And if you're able to f- be on the same page, then continue forward. And obviously, if someone wants something different than you, then you have to work through that. And maybe ultimately, you figure out that that's not the right person for you. But you got to have the conversation. (laughs) I think that that's a really great thing about the show. Because like you said, it's not just a show for kids. It also is a show for, you know, people of our generation. But it is also a show for kids. And this is a great Mm -hmm. example that those kids are now seeing. Because like you said, when we were in middle school, basically everything was, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, walk down Mm -hmm. the aisle everybody has the same situation you act this way he acts that way or whatever and now this is something that kids that are you know younger than 13 are seeing as an example of okay well maybe i'll like someone when i'm 13 and you know he she they will want to act a certain way and i can realize like i want to act a certain way and it it just as long as we talk to each other it's great like (laughs) it doesn't have to be like this whole big thing it doesn't have to be you know capital r relationship it can be whatever you make it and i i just love the fact that that's being put out into the world for young kids to have as part of their you know worldview which as you were talking it led me to another thing that i realized i didn't even write it down because it was so subtle in a good way that 
you know, in the books, they often talk about Marianne being babyish. That's a mm-hmm. word that gets tossed around a lot. Hasn't really been used as much in the show to some degree and a little bit in the first episode of this, in the first episode of this season, you know, when, when Chrissy was getting frustrated with Marianne for just not talking to Logan post-camp. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they've stayed away from that. But the the character of Marianne is often seen as the immature one of the main four, not including Jesse and Mallory. Mm-hmm by the others. And yet what we saw, especially from those other couples, uh the there was there were two other couples in this couples lunch, which first of all, that that whole thing was so weird. Like what teachers are letting right. eighth graders They're in, in like a, classroom a classroom for a private lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it so, made no sense. Just very bizarre. Did appreciate the gay representation. Mm-hmm. You know, cute little gay couples can be just as dysfunctional as little straight couples at that age. Or any age, <laughs> really, let's be but what it what became clearer and clearer, especially at the um, sort of climax of all of this, which happens at the restaurant Salvatore's, which I did think was a fun little carryover from the books because that was, you know, the big um, engagement spot. That's how they knew that that was all happening. And that's what led to them, them being Marianne and Dawn, believing that an engagement was imminent. First of all, the fact that they made a, a reservation there and and Logan only brings 20 bucks, which I thought was a nice point out that, you know, he's new in town. He doesn't know any better. But they see the other straight couple, teenage couple, they are having this massive blowout that Kate, you alluded to, which very much felt to me like they were play acting, mm-hmm. being grown up by going to this fancy dinner, by having this, like, basically the fight seemed to be you're always on your phone and you're not paying attention to me and like an actual fight that real grownups would likely something that they witnessed with with actual adults in their lives whereas Marianne and Logan attempt some of that adult play acting but are both clearly so uncomfortable with it that they realize that without ever referring to it that way which is what I mean by subtle that by creating a relationship that is right for them it's also that much more age appropriate and they're not playing out these roles that they have no need to rush into. Mm -hmm. Speaking of relationships and different types of relationships being represented, I do love that Richard, in his heart-to-heart with Marianne, okay, first of all, we talked about he prepared. He literally brought in cards, which I just, ugh. Well, the, the best part was that he started trying to have the conversation, and then he realized he needed his note cards and went back out and yes. got them. Because I maybe he didn't realize he was about to have that conversation. So he was, like, coming in to talk, and then he was like, because she, I think she's when she asked if she could, like, go on a date or whatever. And then he was like, oh, I got to I gotta go check my notes, and brings his cards back in. I do love that he said that he worked through it with his therapist to, like, figure out what to say because yes. he didn't want to mess it up. Like, what a a great dad. I mean, from the Richard that we know from, like, the start of the books and even the start of the TV series, like, he has really made a lot of progress and become a really, really great parent. I mean, not that he was a bad parent before, but he's doing a much better job of relating to Marianne where she needs him to be as opposed to trying to, you know, get her to come to where he is. He's doing a much better job of meeting her where she is and giving her what she needs. And I think that that's been really great to watch over the course of the series. Fully agree, especially because it doesn't actually fundamentally change his character either. Mm -hmm. He's still stuffy. He's still uptight, but he's just doing the work, which I think 
you mentioned therapy. I, I think that's in the ensuing 30 years has been one of the biggest changes that, right. you know, that's acceptable. But I just, I remember Richard of the books being the straight up villain, like just eye rolly. And mm-hmm. now I'm like more Richard. But uh, the other thing that I really loved was in his like second come to Jesus with Marianne, where they're, t- where they really get into, you know, relationships or how you define them, be it romantic or otherwise. <laughs> I love that he does express just a hint of like, your friends are nuts, especially Christy. Like, <laughs> he talks about how her friends, like, aggressively love her to a, to, to a degree that's a little... To, to an almost concerningly... They love her in an almost concerningly aggressive fashion. I wrote that down. Exactly. I was like, that is perfect. I love it. Because he's not wrong. There's a lot of codependency that's happening there in the Babysitter's Club. I would love, in fact, if that becomes... Maybe not right away, but I'd love for this this show to go on for a number more years mm-hmm. and obviously you know we we can't live in my yarn wall purgatory um that the books can <laughs> right in in a tv show because the the, the girls are clearly going to grow up very quickly but i would love to see that be maybe forgive me if i'm wrong but i believe that maybe some of that is part of the Friends Forever series, like as they're graduating eighth grade, like sort of navigating what is this going to look like for us when we go to high school. But I would really love to see that as a, not having read those, Mm -hmm. love to see that play out as part of the television series. Like how do those relationships evolve? Because Christy really is in a lot of ways incredibly codependent on Marianne. And to her credit, in this episode, now granted, it's because we didn't really have a lot of B-plot, like you said. Her, Christy's B-plot was more focused on the um, presumable upcoming Emily Michelle. And it would have been very easy for Christy to, you know, go off the deep end that not only is he now her boyfriend, they're going to the most romantic spot in the in town. They're eating lunch with these other couples. You know, Christy gets a little eye-rolly, but mm-hmm. she could have been way more jealous and way more dismissive of it or condescending. Mm-hmm. To, and, and then she really didn't. She wasn't, you know, jumping for joy. She was indeed kind of putting Stacy and Claudia in their place when they were getting a little carried away, but not in a like, you should dump him. We only matter. And, right. Oh, you know. No new friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no new peeps. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that that was a really nice showing for Christy, too. And I think it made sense that giving her something to focus on at home probably went a long way to keeping her mm-hmm. from spiraling about Marianne's impending having someone more important than her. Right. Although I did like how she decided you should rank everybody. Right. <laughs> Logan's like sixth. Yeah, Logan's definitely sixth. And Mimi is definitely above. <laughs> definitely above Logan. Fully, fully agree there. So what, I, I don't think I wrote it down. I Let's didn't write down all of it. Order. I mean, the Babysitter's Club was first, for sure. Yeah. And then I think it was Richard. Yeah. And then I think Sharon was next. Yeah. And then she said Sharon and Mimi were three and four. Or... I feel Somebody, like there was at least like six. Maybe her mom? I don't oh, I wish I had written it down. I don't remember. <laughs> Me too. We'll have to go back. And if if you all know, please comment on our Insta post or on our Twitter post. But if not, we'll we'll put it up afterwards. But it was there was a Christy had a very clearly defined ranking system of who is who important in your life. And I feel like it t- tells you everything you need to know about Christy. I just loved it. 
Definitely. I think one thing that I just wanted to note really quickly, and I don't know how much of a conversation we can have about it because we didn't get a ton of it, but when at the Babysitter's Club meeting after um, Marianne and Logan become, you know, officially boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, Stacey starts sort of launching into her recommendations because she's the boy expert. And like, the only real piece of advice we got was that she need Marianne needs to maintain the power of least interest. And I am yes. sort of fascinated about where Stacey is getting this from because rightly so, Marianne shuts her down and is like, well, the only guy you've ever really, you know, been interested in, you pretended yes. you twisted your ankle <laughs> and then you like, you know, focused on, obsessed about, uh, you know, an, an old dirty whistle, you know, because, you know, calling back to Sea City. So I'm really interested because I think that ties back into what you're saying about Marianne being babyish. And I think we've talked about this over the course of the books as well. But Marianne, in certain ways, is the least babyish. And mm-hmm. that that conversation was just like, is Stacey just reading, you know, blogs or some sort of magazines? You know, like we would have read Seventeen or YM or whatever back in the day and probably gotten that same type of advice. But it's just interesting that even today, Stacey's, you know, sort of pushing that kind of antiquated thinking. And, you know, if if we're focusing on real relationships and communication, it's interesting that that was the starting point for Stacey talking about Marianne being in a relationship for the first time and the first time for any of them to be in a relationship. So fully agree with that. I wrote that down too as a, whoa, there's a lot to unpack yeah. there in terms of Stacey. I, I do love that it got shot down mm-hmm. immediately. But I, I for Stacey's sake, I really hope that we circle back to that. Right. Because- I mean, I think you're right. I think once you mentioned 17, I was like, oh, yeah. That is, like, exactly the advice that showed up in 17 and YM back in the day. My first thought, what I wrote down is, ooh, maybe there is more divorce shadowing for Stacey's parents than I realized. yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, where is she getting that from? If she's not getting it from a magazine, likely she's getting it from some weird power dynamics at home. And this is a very sweeping generalization that I'm probably going to regret saying. (laughs) But I feel like sometimes that power dynamic thing is more prevalent when there is wealth in families, because that can lead to disparities in terms of you know, who has the quote-unquote power Mm -hmm. being who has the quote-unquote money, who's bringing what to the table, that kind of thing. Again, that is a very, very, very broad generalization brush. I understand that not everyone applies to that, but I can, in my pop culture consumption, in my interactions with other people who have grown up in those kinds of situations or, or, or are now in, you know, very wealth disparate relationships, something about that is, is, is ringing a little something for me. Where, you know, if somebody is bringing wealth to the table, you have to keep them interested in some way so they won't think you're a gold digger. I don't know. Could be a lot of things. I may have been reading way too much into it, but it did definitely set off major alarm bells about possible Stacy parents' divorce, especially knowing what we know about Stacy's mom's spending mm-hmm. post-divorce. That's where all of this kind of, I rabbit hold a little bit. Me? Rabbit hole? <laughs> Never. Not in a million years. Yeah, I, I mentioned it briefly, but like at the very end of the episode when Marianne is sharing with Dawn that, you know, she and Logan are good. They've decided not to put any definitions and labels around their relationship. And Dawn is just flat out like, yeah, I'm open to whatever, whatever gender presentation, which I guess, depending on how you define things, would be more pansexual than bisexual. 
Trust me, that's a whole conversation. That's why I usually just blanket say queer and call it a day. But I did love that we are clearly setting a table that, that that's not off of the radar mm-hmm. for these girls that, you know, we're, we're seeing that representation and, and one-off characters here and there. But I would love to, I would love the opportunity to see that explored a little bit between a character that we, that we really know and love. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for that because, and, and I think it ties in really nicely to what we were talking about theme-wise, that relationships are what you define them. And I think if we take that to its natural conclusion, that includes who you're in your relationship with as well. Right. Yep, definitely. I did appreciate that all Dawn really cares about is that whoever that person might be cares about the environment and has good oral hygiene because <laughs> yep. it's important. And I, I, I that Same is like very on brand for Dawn. Like, it yep. doesn't matter who they are, how they identify, how they present, as long as they care about the environment and they have good oral hygiene, she's good. <laughs> God, I love Dawn. That, I, really, I we've talked about this before, no need to rehash. But I think that I, I am recognizing as we get further along that there are some changes to her character in it, but... I think they all are still pretty superficial, still caring about the same things, just presented in a more with more 2021 nuance mm-hmm. than there was capable in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s when they were being written, especially around things like her vegetarianism. Right. In the books that came across as such a Dawn's such a weirdo because she only eats healthy food. And now, you know, yeah, the girls would still rather have, you know, pizza and candy. But Dawn is not, it's not nearly the, ew, Dawn, that it is played for in the books. Right. So I think that they're able to, where it's not so much a change, they're just able to go a little bit further to her natural conclusion, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's how I'm I'm reading it. No, I think that's a very good point. Do you have any other big thoughts around our defining relationships? I think we've covered everything on the big theme. Obviously have a few little random thoughts and asides, and then we have to talk about fashion. For sure. Well, why don't you kick us off on what were some of your asides? Because I've got a couple of them as well. One of the first is just at the very beginning when Don and Marianne are getting ready to go meet their parents for dinner and go out with their parents for dinner. When they think they're about to find out that their parents are engaged, they take a selfie and send it to the group text. And, you know, we get, I think, three hearts from Stacy and Christy responds with the dog emoji, <laughs> which is just <laughs> so Christy, but like so random for what they're actually talking about. But just had to note yep. that because it's so Christy. Love also it. loved that when Claudia comes to babysit uh, Karen and Andrew when Edie is going to um, a doctor appointment, um, first Karen asked Claudia if she knows how her great-great-great-grandmother died because Karen's was struck by lightning, but it was the dysentery that got her. And then Andrew <laughs> is watching Wally because he enjoys the silence of it. And yes. Totally understand and appreciate that because feel the same way about Wally, Andrew. <laughs> so it's so funny. I, Wally is one of my all-time favorites, but largely because of the Hello Dolly of it. Mm-hmm. This is such a minor side note, but I... That is still to this day. Put on your Sunday clothes. That's what I play when I'm when I'm depressed. That's how I get myself to get ready. Mm-hmm. Has been since I was so young. I didn't know it was clinical major depressive disorder. But when I just couldn't get myself to, you know, if you're if you have not ever had to struggle with depression, speaking of Dawn's hygiene, <laughs> hygiene becomes a very difficult thing. And that was always my like thing. So I loved that for that reason. And then immediately went 
But I know that Andrew is using it as silence from Karen, yeah. which I <laughs> found so, so perfect. And, uh, and yeah, and I know especially Kate having me as your best friend <laughs> appreciates the silence of Wally <laughs> from now and then. Occasionally, it's, it feels good to just have silence. Yeah. Also, so that made me think of you. Also, I thought of you instantaneously because we find out a little bit more about Richard's law career this time. Whereas in the books, it was sort of ill-defined, something about businesses and bankruptcies and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But this time, not only is he's in real estate law of some kind, it appears, because he's talking about tenants and, and things like that. But he's basically Sandy Cohen and, like, looking out for the little guy. He saves a bunch of people from eviction mm-hmm. due to banned landlord practices. I was like, all right. No, that makes more sense why Sharon would be attracted to this yes. person in the first place. Like, in the books, we've talked about how we can see how Richard would be attracted to Sharon's sort of more loose, uh, loosening him up. Mm-hmm. But what is what is Sharon right, getting why, out of being? What is her, <laughs> what, what's she getting out of it? What, what, from exactly. From perspective, yeah. And for him to be a bit of a Sandy Cohen, love that detail. Mm-hmm. They also talked about, they were referencing um, how they, Logan and Marianne, sit around talking about the Wicked casting, which, okay, dream relationship. Oh, also, no, Dawn said that she had listened to Marianne have talk through that multiple times. I think that was just a con- like I think she was trying to reassure Don or Marianne that Marianne would have plenty to talk about because she had listened to the dream casting. Oh, I thought Mar- Don was saying that she had heard Marianne and Logan talking about it quite a bit, which I was going to say, "All right, Logan, get either, <laughs> you know." That's po- maybe um, I misheard it. I I could have misheard it, but I this is not the first time we've had <laughs> disagreements about not disagreements, but heard things different ways and Either one, I think, works. <laughs> Either way, they're very invested in the Wicked casting. And I have a feeling that Marianne would be all about the Cynthia Erivo of it all. Mm-hmm. I'm less convinced of the Ariana Grande. And I, I don't know if that's just because that's how I feel about it. I don't have <laughs> anything in particular against Ariana Grande. I, some of her songs are bops. Her mm-hmm. whole, I mean, the Hispanic fishing and the black fishing was bad enough. And now this whole... Asian fishing thing is just a whole next level, but her voice is great. Mm -hmm. But either way, I would, A, it's so tracks from book to show that that Marianne would be all about, you know, dream casting that. And Mm -hmm. second, now I'm dying to know what her thoughts would be. Yeah, agreed. This is so random, but something about the way that Liz Edie was talking, the way she was saying the, the brewers when she was telling Claudia about Karen's heritage project, the one that the reason that Karen is asking all these questions and thinking that there's a crying ghost and stuff is because she's researching her family tree. And she said her mom's side took about two seconds. What she said is the brewers, as you can imagine, there's a lot more there. You know, wealthy East Coast, Connecticut family makes total sense. I had to rewind it like three or four times. I kept hearing her say the burrs. And I was like, <laughs> wait. I'm so confused. Is Watson, like, <laughs> connected to Aaron Burr in some way? <laughs> like, that wouldn't be completely out of the realm, realm of possibility, but I think it was just the way that Alicia Silverstone was saying it quickly, but it really threw me off. <laughs> it, it took me a whole a hot minute there. That's really funny. Yeah, I, I heard Brewer, but again, sometimes we hear things differently. <laughs> Very true. And then my only other thing was that, you know, I got to love 
anytime they mention Valentine's Day all through an episode because it's my birthday. Mm -hmm. And I just love that it was normally when there's anything that's Valentine's related, it's so hearts and flowers, it's aggressive. And I loved that this was such a much more laid back version of it because that is very much how I prefer it because obviously it should be (laughs) about me. Obviously. But those were my big things. Yeah, I only have one other sort of random aside, and it's just to note that when they're at the double date at Salvatore's, the waiter pours Logan wine, and Logan says, no thanks, I'm only 13. (laughs) Like, Yes. I mean, I thought it was just sort of random. It was random. I thought that was cute, but I also Mm -hmm. thought it was sort of weird. Like, what waiter? Right. Clearly, these are children. (laughs) And I mean, I get that they're on a double date with adults, which is his own weird thing, but I, I did love that. Where, like, neither one of them seemed put out about the fact they both saw saw them as a lifeline. <laughs> that makes sense for the kids. I felt bad for Richard and Sharon. They, they were very, very good sports yeah. about having to give up their Valentine's date for, I do love Richard's, like, oh, God. <laughs> he saw them there. Like, what Especially, is happening? I thought you were going for pizza. <laughs> right, and the pork. And so did clearly Logan. The pork kid only brought a 20. Oh, just adorable from top to bottom. Uh, but it was so weird that the waiter brought wine it, that anyway um oh i did have one other question so we've talked about a couple times about lizzie d crying in the basement we obviously know it's related to emily michelle do you think that that is and and then they've referenced chocolate a couple of times needing chocolate do you think that maybe she's going through ivf and they haven't talked about it or is this just like maybe she had some testing done and found out she can't have kids i i'm just curious the show obviously didn't t- doesn't tell us, but I was just curious what your interpretation of why she was crying. My interpretation was that it was IVF or some sort of actual fertility treatment because she does. I think when she's in the basement, she says that she's hormonal. That's what I I took to. I I thought oh, between the crying, the all over the place, the candy and the hormones. I assumed IVF. Mm-hmm. I I just thought that was a little weird that she wouldn't have told Christy that. And like, I mean, I, I liked that the, the, she said it's a conversation to have with my husband about the emotional side of things. But the only reason I was like, maybe it's not IVF is because I feel like she would have said something along the lines of, you know, I, I, I need to talk it over with Watson, but this is just a reaction to some of the things that we're doing in order to grow our family or something along those lines, you know, mm-hmm. to make it a little less scary. I feel like Christy's probably old enough to... Yeah, we had the first period episode last year, so I feel like she's she would have been old enough to have some kind of, or these are hormones that goes go along with what's going on with you know being a woman. I feel like that could have been helpful to a degree. That was so that's the only reason I I thought maybe not IVF, but I but I'm with you. That was my interpretation mm-hmm. as well. So I'm gonna be really really curious. As we've said, are we going with a adoption or are we going with natural baby? I I don't know that I have a strong reaction to either. My only thing is if we do go, I mean, it would be disappointing to lose some of the transracial adoption potential if we do go a, you know, biological child. And clearly our conversations around transracial adoption has changed quite a bit in the Mm -hmm. last 30 years as well. So uh, they may just want to avoid some of the deeper topics that come with that. Not to say that that is wrong by any means. I just mean that there is more conversation now and sensitivity around mm-hmm. it that that just may not be an appropriate thing for the the audience of this show, the main audience of right. the show, if that makes sense. Yeah. So 
anyway, just something that struck me as a something to keep our eye on and as potential topic as we go forward. Yep. Agreed. So I guess that means it's time to talk about some fashion. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So I feel like there was better fashion or more fashion in this episode than the last one, although obviously we found plenty to talk about in the last episode. But we had a couple like great light like lilac lavender looks from Claudia. In the first Babysitter's Club meeting, she's wearing a lavender jumpsuit over a like mm-hmm. dark green floral like long sleeve shirt. The sleeves and the pants of the jumpsuit were rolled up. So it was a very, very good look. We also got she when she went to babysit for uh, Karen and Andrew, she was wearing like a periwinkle puffed short sleeve sweater with like mauve flowers on it and earrings that coordinated that were not floral. They were like resin or I don't know, you know. Yep. We got some great shawl collar sweaters on Richard. I know we don't usually talk yes. about <laughs> the parents' fashion as much, but he, the, the man can rock a, a shawl collar sweater. Marianne had a couple like more elevated looks that I liked. Um, she had a, her pea coat has like, it was a burgundy color. It had toggle yes. clasps, which I oh my love God. that look. I'm obsessed with that coat. I genuinely want the adult version mm-hmm. of it. I need a new winter coat. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You should, I think you should get that. We need to find that for you. Um, she also wore a really cute like windowpane navy dress with a white collar necklace over it, which I would definitely yeah. wear to work like every day. And then obviously Dawn at the very beginning when they were planning their dinner, she was wearing her Love Wins shirt from her dad, which was great and tied into where we end up in the episode with her. So I don't know yes. if you had any other fashion-y moments you wanted to mention. Honestly, it was the Claudia jumpsuit at the mm-hmm. beginning. I literally wrote how do I get my hands on that <laughs> outfit? Can I pull this off? Also, will this make me look even gayer? <laughs> the answer is probably yes to all three. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I definitely, we need to find that for you. And if it makes you look more gay, then we'll just help find you that relationship you're looking for. <laughs> it's so funny because, yeah, anyway. I want all of their clothes, and Mm -hmm. then I kind of have to remember they are children, so some of it is just not going to look right right on me, and I have to, like, have that wah-wah-wah moment going, like, yes, it would be so cute if I were 13. Right, like, I wish I could be 13 again so I could wear that and have it look not ridiculous. (laughs) Exactly. Also because I have a lot of boobs and a lot of hips and a lot of butts. Butts? But. <laughs> you have so many butts. Just a single. <laughs> They're just all over, covered in them. Covered in and, butts. Um, <laughs> name of your porno, speaking of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, <laughs> but in any case, I do have to remind myself some of the times that they're when they're wearing stuff that, that, like, it's so cute on them, not on me. There is a difference. Definitely. I mean, I definitely did buy those like cherry sunglasses that Claudia wore in the first season. And I have literally never worn them outside of my house because I look like a fool, but I love them so much. (laughs) I have a pair of the red Lolita like heart sunglasses that I've had forever and I love them more than words. But yes, wearing them out is definitely a statement. Mm -hmm. Um, And one I'm not really sure that I want to make. Or, I don't know. (laughs) It will lead... I don't know where I'm going with that sentence, but I think you get it. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, I think if there's not anything else, is there any other final club business? 
other than the fact that we want to hear from all of you. We've shared our thoughts. We'd love to hear yours, uh, especially as we're getting further and further into this season. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see where things go. So as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSC. We check our DMs there often, or if you want to comment for the whole group. And if you cannot be contained in those short formats, our email is generationbc.com. Our email is generationbsc at gmail.com. Okay, so with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. The 